Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk number 58. I'm your host, George, and with me, like always, is Barry. Hello. And uh, we're going to start this podcast by shilling our Patreon, which uh, if you want to support this show and what we do, the only way we kind of get paid or any money off of this podcast is by you guys supporting us. Uh, We're thinking of doing something different in the future. Who knows what yet, but uh, maybe something that we'll add to the beginning of the podcast. Uh, But... We're now we have some tiers like reading your memories, uh, getting early access to these episodes. So if you guys have a couple bucks to spare, that would be awesome. But let's talk about Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master, which released in 1993. It was released in Japan as the Super Shinobi 2, uh, <laughs> which is a totally different title and totally different number, which is going to be part of the podcast. Uh, mm. And it's the third Shinobi game, and it features Sh- Joe Musashi as the Shinobi. And it's the direct sequel to The Revenge of Shinobi. The game consists of Joe Musashi combating Neo Zed, an evil organization that has returned once more to take over the world. What is uh, your history with Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master, and how do you think it holds up today? Um, I, I honestly didn't have a big history with this game. I, like many other people, played the uh, Revenge of Shinobi a lot. Um, I think that was really the big one when it first hit the Mega Drive or Genesis. Um, the original mm-hmm. Shinobi, you know, you'd have to be a Master System kid, which I really wasn't. So, I mean, I, I rented... I, I know I rented Revenge of Shinobi, but Shinobi 3... I don't know, I just, it never really, I never crossed paths with it. Maybe my video rental store didn't have it. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Shinobi games, unlike the Sonic games, where it was very clear, like, one, two, three, like, they made it very clear that there's a sequential series going on, or Streets of Rage, one, two, three. With this one, it's like, Shinobi, Revenge of Shinobi, Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master, and you're like, wait, where's Shinobi 2? You know, like... Um, I, I, I think the naming conventions with them were kind of weak. I feel like it would have really benefited if we had a Shinobi 2, Shinobi 3, but then, like you said, we'll get into the Super Shinobi. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, outside of playing it years later on ROMs, uh, you know, emulated, and then the first really official release was the 3DS one. And I enjoyed it. You know, it's a fun game. I'm looking forward to talking about it. But it definitely is not... It's one of those games where I could pretend to know all about it. But I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, yeah, this game for me, it was like... like Just like you, I played the Revenge of Shinobi first way before this one. I didn't even play the first one until way later. But this one was one of those games where I just remember playing it. I don't know if it was like a friend's house. It's like one of those like, oh, I went somewhere after school and somebody had this like really awesome violent game. I remember it being in my head when I was a little kid. I remember it like shockingly violent. Like, I don't know why, but like when, you know, when he slices them and that squirt of blood comes out, 
for me mm, when it was in yeah. my head it was like you know when you're a kid sometimes you over saturate the the violence or whatever in a movie so to me it was like gallons of blood just squirting out of these people's <laughs> like <laughs> necks right i know what and, you mean uh, yeah. that left yeah that left a really big impression and i and i always remember how like smooth the game was compared to revenge of shinobi where revenge of shinobi was kind of like like i don't really i was a kid i didn't really know about gameplay but something about the way he like double tap move and the way he jumped and everything the movement of the game it felt like very precise like if you were precise enough you could like look really sick pulling off all these kills in these like straight like longer levels where you, it's almost like they added a little bit of sonic to uh, shinobi on this one right He's a little mm-hmm. faster. He has a little more moves. He's more stylish, uh, way more actiony, and that's what I remember. Yeah. I really, I really like this game. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like playing this game years later, I'm like, man, I wish this was the one I played <laughs> because, you know, the original Shinobi, it never really clicked with me. Revenge of Shinobi, great game, but it's definitely slower paced. But this one, I mean, future games would kind of follow this game's template, if anything. Yeah, and those templates are it's like they're different games really. Like when they made this one, they took some of the core aspects of it, but they kinda like ramped it felt like they ramped everything up to like eleven. Like, oh mm-hmm. uh, his movement's a little slow, this time he's faster. Oh now he has his knife, he has his de- he has more attacks. You don't even have to do shurukens anymore. Um which <laughs> is something that like was from Rolling Thunder, the the first game was trying to copy, right? Um right. so this kind of like broke that mold. Um, so let's talk about uh, said development, I guess. Uh, as I mentioned above, in Japan, the title was called the Super Shinobi Two, making it a direct, still a direct sequel, both sides of the pond, to uh, to uh, Sh- uh, the Revenge of Shinobi, which was called the Super Shinobi in Japan. Which now it's getting confusing, right? The Revenge of Shinobi mm-hmm. is called Su- the Super Shinobi. This is called the Super Shinobi Two, but in America, we didn't have the super shinobi or that so we just pretended that shinobi one was the one revenge of shinobi was number two and the return of the ninja master was number three and right. uh first what is your opinion on how america and japan handled it uh and second what do you think is a cooler name revenge of shinobi slash return of ninja master or the super shinobi <laughs> one and two um, well, I think the the Super naming convention just doesn't work because we had Super Nintendo and they use Super Mario Brothers and they use Super for everything and it just it seems weird to have a Mega Drive game with Super in the title. Um, mm-hmm. I know on the Game Gear it was the GG Shinobi and then the GG Shinobi Two, um, which was kind of a thing because they also had GG Alest or Alest I forgot how you say it and then you know GG Alest Two. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of a naming convention over there, but over here I honestly if I were to retitle them I'd say Shinobi Shinobi 2 Revenge of Shinobi and then Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master or Revenge of the Ninja Master and then Return of the Ninja Master. You know what I mean like yeah. I would have adjusted it a little bit. Um I'd probably also replace the the Roman numerals with numbers. Um, I think it just, it's easier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, end of day, we can't change what they did, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I think the naming for all of them are just a little weak 
and then I think, as we move uh, forward, they kind of screw up again, and they the 3DS one's just called Shinobi. So it's like yeah, and then the, and then the PS2 one's just called Shinobi. So it's like oh okay, so we're just not even going to try now. We're just going to title it the same way we titled the Master System one. So that's one of my pet peeves when you're searching for research for these games. It's like oh man, I got Shinobi from the PS2 stuff. Like all right, pretty cool, but that's definitely not what we're talking about right now. Uh, it's also I, I agree with you. Uh, it's funny that the Super Shinobi came out in 1989 in Japan. So, like, mm-hmm. Sega of America sort of, like, dodged a bullet there with the super naming because, like, you, like you said, super everything became a Nintendo branding. Super Mario, uh, I forgot what else they did. Everything, like, I it's like super football games. Everything was, like, super on the Nintendo. And I think Sega tried to adopt the Mega name. So I bet if maybe back then if they had the chance in 89 to know that it was going to be called the Super Nintendo, they probably would have been, oh, <laughs> this is called the Mega Shinobi. It sounds even stupid. Right. So uh, just, I understand what they're trying to do in Japan. I mean, we'll talk about it right here. So while we dis- discuss the naming conventions, one reason that Sega separated Shinobi from its arcade to console is to show the consumer that the Mega Drive could do its own type of games. While in America, the Revenge of Shinobi was marketed as a sequel to the, to the first Shinobi, because it was a big hit arcade game, the Super Shinobi in Japan was supposed to show off the power of the Mega Drive. Obviously, the title was a huge success. One thing you will notice now with uh, this uh, history of releases, the Revenge of Shinobi, a.k.a. the first Super Shinobi, came out in 1989, while Shinobi 3 the sequel, Super Shinobi 2, didn't come out until 1993. During this window, we literally had the creation of Sonic Team, Sonic the Hedgehog, and three award-winning entries into the Sonic the <laughs> franchise by the time this, that Revenge of Shinobi got one sequel. Uh, yeah. That wasn't the plan at Sega. The sequel of Revenge of Shinobi was set to release in 1992. I still think it's a long time, right? But yeah. still a little bit better. A, uh, a, year, uh, uh, a year later, according to the magazine's at the time, which showed a ton of photos and artwork that never made it into the final game, it seemed that Sega wasn't happy with the work done in the 1992 version of Revenge of Shinobi. So Sega did something crazy. They held it off for another year and kept it in development. Uh, this led to a game that uh, didn't feature, uh, didn't have any features that were promoted in magazines at the time. So they used a whole year of promotion that just wasn't in the game. Uh, even if it, if it came out in 1992, what would what would it mean to come out three years after the Mega Drive game? And why do you think Sega took so long in developing a sequel? Also, do you think uh, delaying the game was good overall? I think it was. I'm kind of. I mean, yeah, no, I think it it was a smart move. It just kind of surprises me. It seems like something Sega now would do. Um, but of course, game development is very different than it was then. Like back then. They'd spit out an Alex Kidd game, and then we talk about it twenty years later and be like, "It was pretty bad," you know. Like, um, it just seemed like it, it. Sega had quality control for sure, but it it just kind of surprises me that a game that probably was going to be fine um, still was delayed. So there must have been something seriously wrong. I, it kind of surprises me though, because it's like, wouldn't you just kind of take Super Shinobi and make new levels and just kind of half-ass it, and people be happy with it? I don't know. Um, it's it's very strange because like you, like you said like I felt like 
it came out in 89, you kind of felt like more people wanted the same thing. Like you could have, like you said, just polished off the rough edges and uh, released it, but it kind of felt like, I don't know, maybe there were some disagreements at Sega. It felt like a lot of the team that made Revenge of Shinobi doing Streets of Rage had a lot to do with the hiatus, in my opinion, obviously. Because this team that made the third one is a totally different team. It's like, even the director was brought in in 1992 to, uh, to like restart the project, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, you could continue. You're researching. Well, I, I would no. I was just. I was gonna say. I, I think it's interesting too that um, you know between Shinobi Two and Shinobi Three, we get an entire Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. Um, yeah, or Genesis, crazy. at least the almost the entire um, Genesis franchise. You look at like uh, Shenmue Two and Shenmue Three, you get the entire Yakuza franchise and a lot of other yeah. things. But still, when you just <laughs> compare it, it's just kind of surprising just how much happens between game sequels. And then not only that, how fast Sonic Team was working on these games that like uh, just became like bigger and uh, better and. Uh, uh, cooler and you know what i mean and then like these this team like the shinobi franchise is in hiatus for those three years and you we also got a bunch of uh streets of rage games too so very uh very interesting so uh not surprising the early prototype of the preview shinobi 3 has been leaked online and you can uh, play it if you want it's a strange little gym uh, we will discuss some stuff contained in the prototype real fast. I don't really want to go too much into it. I was actually going to write more about it, but then I was like, the whole episode is going to be about a prototype and the different levels that nobody really cares about. I mean, this is stuff <laughs> that like some of the assets are used here, but uh, I got this from a YouTuber, S-I-L-E-N-I-N-I-G. I don't know how to say his name. So if you look Selenic. up his name, he has a Selenig. That's a That's a word. And uh, you can check out his channel on YouTube. Uh, he has the prototype footage of the beta. He has, like, a longer version because the one I saw covered on um, – uh, what is that site called? Uh, the Cutting Room Floor. It only right. talks about up to, up to stage four, and this guy seems to have, like, one that goes all the way to a boss. So I didn't really know what to talk about on, on some of this stuff. So um, basically, if you look at it, you, one thing you'll tell right away is uh, – uh, let me put the video up. Uh, how uh, slow it is, like compared to uh, if you see the forest level and the other one where you could run, you can still run and do the jumps and stuff. But like I don't know, it just feels a little more blocky and weird. And obviously, like mm. the corners are all off. And like right away on the next level after this one, it's a it's the four. I think this is like level six in the real game. So obviously they mix around like right away, and it makes more sense in the way it's set up here because in in the game the real shinobi game you start off in level one it's a forest then you do a bunch of stuff and then you get back to another forest that's on fire and this one it's the forest then the next level is the forest on fire but they mix around with the levels so i don't know i think that makes a little more sense here but uh as you could tell uh the level design is very like (laughs) weak like it's just enemies and it's trying to be more like the original Shinobi. Not a lot of more, not a lot of uh, platforming like the original, this game got later on. Not a lot of, uh, what else? Um, there's no like auto scrolling levels. So mm. mm-hmm. it's a cool, it's a cool little beta to see how these, these, uh, how this works, you know, how Sega did it. But uh, have you ever played the prototype demo? And do you even, 
in retrospect, do you even care about prototypes? Do you think it's one of those things that's like, this isn't what we were supposed to play, so why are people so obsessed with it, you know? Um, no, I've never played it, but I I see the appeal of prototypes, especially when it's, um, you know, like actual elements of the game and not like a canceled concept or something. I, I think it's silly when people get hung up on like a canceled concept and they're like, oh, why don't we get this? And then they start throwing like other games under the bus. Like I see people did that when um, that Tales Treasure game treasure tales was revealed and then but the guy was like these are screenshots like these aren't even screenshots these are like pixel drawings there's no game here and people go oh we only got this um i i'm much more interested in for example like when you play like early versions of sonic one and it's the same team and you can kind of see the uh the timeline of events and their their uh how their game design skills changed and uh, developed I think that's cool, um, but I, I also think it's kind of lame when like people slap these on a cart and sell them on Etsy. Like, it's, mm. no, don't waste your money on that. In my opinion, yeah, and it's uh, that's actually been a big market that I've been seeing a lot. Um, you know what? I'm surprised nobody's reached out to us and said, "Hey, I'm doing a retro cart. Can you guys do a review and send us a, a retro cart?" I mean, I would obviously accept it. Then I'd like, love them. Yeah. I'm a slut. I'm a slut. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, dude, I love when people do this. As long as I get it for free, obviously, and you guys pay. <laughs> the, I'm just joking, but like, right? I do agree. It's a little slimy that you're making money off these uh, developers' work, and it's not like you're doing it for like a charity. It's for your own pocketing. Uh, you're pocketing the cash, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you have one of those like Ever Drives, you should. Uh, I guess you could check it out if you really want to see uh, a work in progress game and. What prototype Sega played before they said, "Nah, we gotta, we're gonna have to shut this whole thing down." Um, Sega, uh, Sega didn't just let the original prototype team continue working on the game. Sega actually went out and hired new talent to move the project forward. One of these new people, uh, new people was Data East artist. I'm gonna butcher his name, but like always, Tomoyoki Ito who talked about his time working on Shinobi 3, uh, which is his first project when he joined Sega. This interview was part of the Mega, uh, Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis Collected Works, which uh, Barry loves, right? It's one of your favorite books. You promoted My that name when it came it. out. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. While uh, Ito worked at Data East as an artist, at Sega he was enlisted as a director, where he tried to deliver a distinct filmic quality uh, with better pacing and more environmental interactions. Uh, even then, the team was enlarged, considering how popular Shinobi, the Shinobi brand was during the 90s. According to Ito, our team, uh, our development team consisted of 10 core members, including sound artists. Uh, in addition to this, we asked other members of staff to playtest the game and also outsource some of the boss fights to an external development company. The team who also created the Super Shinobi was developing another game at the time, Bare Knuckle. So they Mm. were only involved in the Super Shinobi 2 as an advisory capacity. Uh, When you compare the production credits from Shinobi 3 to something like Streets of Rage 2, you see a huge disparity. For example, all artists on Shinobi 3 are listed as graphic designers and consist of five people, um, including uh, Hideki Mori... Maria, I don't know how to say his name. He did a, 
he was the designer and art director for uh, uh, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, if you guys like that game. Great while, game. Uh, while Streets of Rage uh, 2 had 13 different artists uh, giving different tasks, like, you know, object designs, uh, backgrounds, and some main designs. Uh, I will say, though, this, is, uh, this game had a bigger team than Revenge of Shinobi before it, where... It had no one as a artist or graphic artist. Hmm. They were just called designers, and there was only two people, which I'm assuming this means designing the levels, designing the art for the levels, designing the art for the game. So I guess so, yeah. I guess that would make this bigger. It's So it's a 10-person team, and three of them were musical composers, so technically it was seven core members, right? Because mm-hmm. this game has three composers in it, so that's kind of crazy. Wow. What are your thoughts on the size of the development teams? Uh, it seems to be a medium-sized team for Sega at the time, but not quite as big as Sonic and Streets of Rage, of course. Uh, do you mm-hmm. uh, do you think that sounds about right for this game? That It seems small. Uh, when we cover Master System games on this show, typically that's the size of a Master System team, like a big one. Wow. Um, wow. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. It seems small to me. Um but I guess it's it makes sense they took so long to make the game. You have to have a small right. team, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that, like, like you make... Imagine the kind of power you used to have in game video game development where, like, it was only 10 of you guys. So, like, any little decision you guys made, it, like... You had to, like, literally convince, like, a couple of other people to be like, yeah, you know what, I'm cool with that idea. And then you could just change the course of the game. So it's like... I guess he was the director, so he had the most power, but how hard mm-hmm. was it to convince them to do things, you know? Who knows? But yeah. it's funny because it's yeah. kind of a it's a really it's a really wild game and it's probably wild because they had so much control over it. But uh one of the uh first things the new team headed by Ito did was change every round from the ground up, while some rounds, aka levels, still had used assets and other background settings from the prototype. Ito's team decided to focus more on movement of character. So, re- according to his quote, he said, so we recreated almost every round, even though the game was already in the final phase of development at the time. The biggest change we made was the main character's physical abilities. Even though there was a uh, variety of mo- variety of moves available, running, jump, di- a jumping dive kick, and even the ability to wall jump, the, uh, the level designs consisted primarily of enclosed spaces that didn't make uh, best use of these actions. Even I felt confined in, when I played it. So I expanded the levels to be more than twice their original size, allowing players much more room to run and use the dive kick. In the end, I added greater speed and fluid- fluidity to the game. Uh, I guess at this point we can talk about the gameplay play a bit since he, he touched on it himself. Uh, we, he almost forgot talking about the blocking maneuver, which is another one that, uh, is a regular move in this game and the jump kick, uh, the double jump kick where you could like do a weird, like uh shuriken, uh, wave, I guess that's from the first one. So not technically new, uh, uh, revenge, uh, even though shadow dancer is my favorite classic shinobi game. This game, in my opinion, really nailed down the speed for the franchise. What are your thoughts on the... Oh, yeah, we talked about this in the beginning. You obviously well, said it was great. But, like, anything about the blocking. Like, I thought the blocking... Like, some stuff you can block, so there's, like, some, like, trial and error when you play the game. But, like, I thought right. the blocking made the game a lot more, like... 
Man, it was so frustrating sometimes when you barely get clipped on things. So the ability to block some of these things uh, last second was uh, sick. Uh, they also had the katana block. But what, uh, what do you think about it? Um, I just I think this is a game that really finally brought Shinobi into the Mega Drive realm. Um, I think when you look at the timeline of the games compared to the Sonic games, not not to compare this to Sonic so much, but when Sonic 1 came out, it almost felt like a reboot of the Mega Drive Genesis. Like, you suddenly are like, oh, this is what it's capable of. And so all of those earlier games just seem so jerky and slow by comparison. So it was great to, you know, see Shinobi finally kind of be elevated to what Sonic showed that the Genesis was capable of. And on top of that, to, you know, put more moves in there, blocking, things like that, it just made sense. Like, this isn't the Master System anymore. This isn't a System 16 uh, arcade game. You know what I mean? It's um, it's much more than that, and you can do more than that. So, I agree with you. I, I think Shadow Dancer is a fantastic game. Um, this one, too, is really great, but... Like I said, I just I don't I didn't really grow up with it, so I can't put it in context at the time. But from what I what I've seen since, yeah, I, I think this is this really nails a lot of things. I have to agree. Uh, let's talk about the story, which obviously uh, here at Sega Bits, Sega lore is one hundred percent what we think about. We discuss when the cameras are the off. Time. I call. I call Barry at three in the morning and I get all scared and I'm like, did you see what Sega did? Sons of bitches. They changed the lore at Sonic again. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Revenge of Shinobi. I mean, in the story, we, as we know, it continues the tradition of new, using Neo Zed, the criminal organization that appeared as Zed in the original game, which mm-hmm. Sega says this, but like I looked behind, I looked at the old game and they just say criminal organization. Never, a name. Maybe it was always planned to be this, and they just never put it in the game. Uh, I'll right. just take their word for it. So I'll let I'll let you read. Uh, I'm gonna let you read the United States story for Shinobi Three. Um, I right. have an I have a nice track in the back. Let me try to put the volume up, and uh, you could, it's a little nice, spicier than the Wikipedia uh, storyline. <laughs> so that's uh, exciting. Okay, here we go. Warrior of the Shadows, Joe Musashi, codename Shinobi of the Obero School of Ninjutsu has long been in a struggle against the forces of evil. Years ago, the nemesis of the Obero School, the Neo-Z organization, was defeated by Shinobi. Its leaders killed or put in prison, and its criminal activities stopped cold. Joe Musashi decides to return to Japan and recuperate after the battle in Neo City, but while he is training in the mountains of Japan, working to improve his already formidable ninja techniques, the Neo Zed leaders are secretly rebuilding their organization. Shinobi senses the evil power growing and starts to make his way to fight back to fight the new danger. Neo Zed's minions have been ordered to stop Shinobi at all costs. The rewards have been promised. Riches and power, the punishment for failure, slow, agonizing torture, and death at the fangs and claws of Neozede's war demons. The stakes are the highest yet, and as Joe Musashi, Shinobi, you know... Shinobi, you know that unless you succeed, the world will fall into the clutches of Neozede. You must not fail. Um, that's funny. 
It's a beautiful <laughs> story, dude. Can you imagine wow. the person at, at Sega of America that had to stay up all day writing this? Like, here's the story. All right. And the guy's like, handing it up because I, I'm pretty sure I think the chat, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have a tr- direct translation of the Japanese one, but I think it's more simplified. I think they very much hammed it up. I do like the little like screenshots they used right here to like mm-hmm. tell the story. It's pretty funny. Do you um, think pot- this is a Sorry. little off topic? Do you think Go Samurai Jack like ripped off Shinobi? I've never seen Samurai Jack. I know it's going to surprise it's, everyone because it's I like know an a ancient Samurai like guy, but then he goes to the future and fights robots and stuff. It just feels like a ripoff of Shinobi. I don't know. I think uh, Ninja Gaiden kind of has that feel too. I don't know who ripped off who there. And there's also like Strider, so I don't know what's going on in Japan with futuristic ninjas, but they seem to be obsessed oh, that's with true. them. Over there. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, I don't want the uh, you know somebody's going to comment on the video. Stupid Sega talk, you morons! Didn't you guys play <laughs> Strider on the on the Capcom Never heard of arcade it. board? Never heard of it. One point two three point four three. No. H three no. re- remix featuring Dante. <laughs> uh, the plot the plot seems simple enough, and it really is. It looks like the, all the developers did for the story was tell you that this crime syndicate is bad and uh, it moves on in, into the game, which isn't a huge deal back in the early 90s. But in 1989, The Revenge of Shinobi has more going on for it story-wise. First, having his clan being hunted down by Neo Zid, uh, while the Oboro clan just wants to live in peace in the mountains. Having his master mm-hmm. ki- killed and showing his plans. He also had a girlfriend, which I thought was a little much, right? She gets kidnapped. Uh, I will say that it does make uh, a bit more grim knowing that... uh, So in this one, he's the last one, the last ninja. And so he's the only one with the Oboro ninjutsu techniques, right? So that would mean Mm -hmm. his wife, his clan, everyone that he was supposed to be saving in Revenge of Shinobi are perished. And so he's the the lone ninja now. Wow. Uh, and also in Shadow Dancer, I, it's supposed to be a direct sequel to the... Okay, now it gets really confusing. To the arcade, and in that one, you you have a son who... He takes over the Shinobi name. So it's like... Do you think it's like one, Revenge, Shinobi 3, and then Shadow Master after that, like the fourth one, and then it's like the new generation? Is that... Because like, they all came out at different times. Like I think Shadow Dancer came out the same year as Shinobi, I think, or like... The year after, some crazy. It's like really close. Okay. So yeah. it's it's weird, right? So, uh, what are your thoughts on the story of Shinobi? And do you think I'm looking too much into separate projects? Do you consider all these games the same storyline, or do you think it's just developers doing whatever they wanted at the time? No, I, I think there are connections there. We saw this with Alex Kidd. A lot of them released very close together, like almost to the point where you could say, like. Uh, uh, what is it, Miracle World's the first game, but then the second game came out like so soon after that they must have been developing them at the same time. Um, mm. And still people, you know, look for order. They try to number them. They try to f- fit them all together. Uh, most famously, Fantasy Zone, um, uh, Persona Sama on Twitter, like goes out of his way to like write a whole web page that <laughs> ties all the fantasy zone and, and space harrier games together. And, and despite that, when we did our, uh, one of our episodes, they were like, no, there's no connection. The developer was like, no, when welcome to the fantasy zone, that has nothing to do with fantasy zone. Who told um, you guys that? So, um, but I, I think here there is definitely a connection. I think in Japan, it just makes a lot more sense. Shinobi and then shadow dancer was the follow up. 
the Super Shinobi and the Super Shinobi 2 are their own little thing. And you kind of see it with Sonic, Sonic and Tails, Sonic and Tails 2 in Japan, whereas over here it's Sonic Chaos, Sonic Triple Trouble. So we as Americans just kind of saw those as one-offs, whereas in Japan they encapsulated them as a little two-parter. So um, it, it... at the same time, it does make sense over here that we did that numbering, but then it does make Shadow Dancer really stand out as kind of like, um, what is it, G-Lock? Am, mm-hmm. am I right? Is that the one where it's like, it's an afterburner game, but it's not because it doesn't have a title? Correct. Um, That's the one. Yeah. So you see that a lot with Sega. Like they'll they'll finally get, get their footing and be like, this is a franchise. And then they'll be like, G-Lock Air Battle. And people go, oh, cool! I like Afterburner, and they're like, no, this is Afterburner. We just didn't give it the name. They go, oh, it's an F- <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, I don't know why they do that. It's like to me, it's like, did you guys? It's like did somebody there go like, yeah, Afterburner was sick, but I think people would play it more. We call it G Lock. It's like, well, that's I, the I, thing. I, yeah, like imagine if Nintendo was like, hey, we got a new game coming out. It's called Shroomer, and you go, oh, cool. Anyway, I like Mario, and they go, no, no, that's a new Mario game. You're like, why'd I'm you call it Shroomer? <laughs> I'm glad they didn't try to do that with Sonic, where he's like, this is Sonic, but his name's actually something else. This is Sun. This is actually, yeah. They did that with Shadow Dancer, right? So it's like, Well, why? they almost did. They um, Sister Sonic was going to be Popful Male, uh, the, the, what is that, a Saturn game, right? Or Sega CD game was oh, going yeah, to be right. reskinned as a female Sonic game. And they were going to do that, called Sister Sonic. Oh. So. So. Let's move on real quick and Weird. talk because I, I have to get through the rounds and stages uh, in oh, this okay. game. There's only seven, so let's talk a little bit about it. I'm pretty sure the Revenge of Shinobi had eight. I, I did this on the notes and I counted them, but I counted them by hand. So, you know, the human mind is not the best thing in the world. And so, uh, but both these games are actually a lot shorter than the Shadow Dancer, which had a whopping 15 levels so i mean how awesome is that but i mean i do think shadow dancer was very condensed classic uh what would you say like uh classic shinobi basically it's like Mm -hmm. they basically condensed the classic shinobi to like the the bare essentials but like updated the graphics and added a new wolf mechanic which is so sick by the way um so let's talk about (laughs) the first uh, well, okay, so first, the other one had 15 levels, so I, I just want to ask you, do you think it matters, or do you think the quality of the game levels matter? Because I feel like, I don't know, like, I, I like Shadow Dancer, but the, I felt like it kind of skimped on some of the level design compared to, like, uh, Shinobi 3, and even though Shadow Dancer is my favorite one, and I like so many aspects of it, I still go, like, ah, oh, Shinobi 3 is better design-wise but with its mechanics. It's so it's like I'm mm-hmm. in this weird place where I'm shaking these two titles and they're so different, you know? No, I, I get that because I've always been a proponent of um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist, but I'm always told Turtles in Time is better. And I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, it's more like the arcade game. It's got more stages. And I'm like, yeah, but Tur- uh, Hyperstone Heist has the run button. And they're like, oh, well... You know, so it's like. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I was know. actually I was actually playing that game not that long ago, and obviously there's some parts of the game where you're like, "Oh my god, they really skipped." But those levels mm-hmm. that are like fully designed are yeah. so good. Like it, 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 yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of upsetting they never finished that game. Like we may have to do a po- I mean, a, a episode on it because 
it's such an interesting game because like uh, it does so many things right, and then like the team like half-assed it in the end, sadly because of times. Like you could tell yeah. it was gonna be a, it was gonna be something very, very, very good. Um, that will but, be a Sega talk someday. That that was like my like core collection growing up, along with Ghostbusters and Dick Tracy and Sonic. You know, like. <laughs> I, I it's a big uh, used game to play, for me. I I used to play a lot uh, Turtles in Time, but I agree. Even somebody that played mostly the Super Nintendo one, the button on the it makes it so much nicer because I always effed up the double 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 tap thing. It's like, did I do it mm-hmm. right? Oh, sometimes you wouldn't do it. It's just easier to just tap a button, and it also my my thumb hurts sometimes on those D pads. I, I think I hit it too hard, so double tapping <laughs> it just makes it hurt even harder. Especially now that I'm like older, you know. So let's mm. go into the first round finally. Um, the first let's round we have here is called Zed's Revenge. Uh, and this footage is by uh, a YouTuber called Carls493 who played the whole game and he broke it down by level, thankfully. And uh, this is probably the game's most iconic level, mostly because most gamers aren't very good and can't get too far. And every time they die, which will be a lot, you have to replay it <laughs> every time. This level is actually really, really easy, but it shows you a lot of the in-game mechanics early through uh, very char- like various characters that you have to beat them a different way. Um, also, mm-hmm. really open and allows you to run and dive slash enemies, which is really fun. Uh, the ideas and narrative is that Masashi is coming out of the mountain home where he is retired, taking down Neo Zed assassins on his way out. Um, it has like a little cave part to it. Um, it's a, it's a sick level, but it really shows you you have to have patience sometimes in this game. You can't just go in there slashing. The <laughs> little leaves in the beginning of the level where you, when you're outside is pretty sick. I always thought that was really iconic and really made it look like a movie. Um, anything oh, you want to say about this uh, level that I haven't mentioned before we move on to the next one? No, it's just it's beautiful, iconic. Um, I, I do have to ask, um, and I don't know if we'll get to it later, but in All-Stars Racing Transformed, did they base it off of this game? Like the It's actually the, the 3DS one, so I didn't add that because it's supposed to be I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the It says Joe Musashi, but the design looks like the 3DS one. It is Joe Musashi though. Okay. But yeah. he, his design looks more like the 3DS one, I would say than this one. Cuz he doesn't okay. have, He doesn't have the little like uh the little Christ uh, little belt buckle thing on his forehead, the like <laughs> right. kind of crown <laughs> Yeah, so He's not the Mordor. Uh, let's see. The next one is called Secret Entry. Uh, in Ooh. this in this round, uh, it has Musashi on a damn horse taking down kite-wielding uh, ninja assassins. Uh, this is pretty iconic in the beginning. Uh, it's This is like an auto-scrolling level, which was really popular in arcade beat-em-ups at the time, uh, like TMNT and uh, Battletoads. I felt some of these Dick franchises... Tracy. Dick Tracy, yes. <laughs> Uh, I felt like some of these franchises <laughs> abused the outer scrolling levels at the time and made it them harder. But I thought Sega mm-hmm. made a very easy and fun one here, and it's kind of hard to die if you're paying attention. After this, uh, Joe reaches a high tech facility. Let me go put that over here. This is the one people die a lot, by the way. Uh, you reach a uh, and uh, wow. after this, the high tech facility. But basically, Joe starts finding out that there's bigger plants here where they have a huge facility that's supposed to be the narrative here um this is actually a pretty hard part the 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 little facility because there's a lot of like timed platforming this is like the first time they give you platforming where if you 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 screw up you you're dead basically 
And there's yeah, like little... there's a um, there's a Mega Man game that does this, isn't it? Like the first stage is almost like the ending, where uh, there's a few of them that do it. Yeah, for X. Yeah, yeah and then Sonic Unleashed kind of did that too. I, I like when games do that. I like when games like present you with the ending at the intro, and then you're like, "Whoa, this is epic!" That's yeah, pretty cool. this, this is pretty epic because it's the second stage. You're already on a horse. You get like an auto-scrolling level, like in Ninja Turtles, and you're in this big mm-hmm. high-tech facility. So it already feels very epic early on. Uh, the third level is called a uh, Body Weapon, which is like the weirdest name, right, for for a, mm-hmm. a level. But it, it makes sense when you see it. Um, most people I know That's didn't cool. get past the second round. So a lot of people I know uh, weren't good enough at the game to make it here to this level, mostly because the second round has some very hard, obviously, platforming areas. This stage is where stuff gets really weird. Uh, as you uh, find a bi- biological weapons laboratory where Joe fights off mutated brains and, uh, and muscular ooze, leading to a sewer boss fight with the hideous Hydra, which is really iconic because it was used in um, marketing promotions. And to me, this level kind of reminded me of like Super Metroid, kind of like you know, how they try to do the alien brains and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. And then if you get all the way to the end, it's like this the bad guy in this is so cool. The last guy, the Hydra, it's like this really cool Genesis effect where it's like wavy. Uh, they did a really cool job with this. This is a really sick level. If you play the game, try to get this far because it's uh, very worth it. The boss fight I thought was pretty easy, so it's not that challenging, I thought, outside yeah, of the platforming. The tanks are really cool. I like those little bodies in the back. I don't know if you've watched, I mean, no spoilers, but The Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. They're starting to show little tanks, and they got, like, <laughs> you see, he's in his tank. So, got little Snokes back there, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's it's maybe part, the emperor. Maybe, maybe this Wars. is Star Wars crossover. Maybe yeah. Uh, electric. I'm just gonna have him sit that? here with me. Uh, I think I skipped. Okay, no, I got it. All right. Uh, Destruction. Okay, I, yeah, I skipped. I, I didn't get the the link to this one. Let me get it. Sorry. Wait, it's the it's the wrong one, right? I don't have destruction. Yeah. On, do I? No. All right. Let, let me let me put it on. Sorry. Round. I can entertain people with, with do, this. Do it. See, he's dancing. I'll show you what he looks like underneath. So if you're watching this on video, you can see he's got little white pajamas. I got it now. Um, okay, great. This is a, this is another great auto-scrolling stage, which I wish they had more of. Like, I usually don't say that in games because, I, like, I think the few auto-scrolling stages I really love was obviously TMNT and... This one is probably the two that stand mm-hmm. out the most. I hated in team uh, in Battletoads because they sucked. Like they made them so hard. S- screw Battletoads. Anyway, uh, this is another great auto scrolling stage. Which, like the second round uh, stage, uh, this time is only Joe Masashi surfing on a goddamn surfboard, just like Escape from LA, one of the cinematic classics of all time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> remember that CGI. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, something I didn't know is that this stage is supposed to be near Joe's home, a great river he lives by, where Neo Zed has made a factory specializing in robotics. The end boss is obviously a robot with lasers and machine guns, because why the hell not, right? Uh, so very interesting stage. It like changes up, you know. Um, it is. It, it's. Um, 
I mean, do we really have to say much about a ninja that like is surfing like at this point really? No. Like I think that Surf speaks ninjas. for itself, right? Exactly. Like the movie Surf Ninjas Must Die, right? Is that the movie called? Or uh, Surf Nazis Must Yeah, I just got that yeah. on Blu-ray. Great game. Great movie. <laughs> and then uh Surf Ninjas on the Game Gear. Maybe we'll do that a Sega talk on that someday. Oh my god, are you serious? You really want to do one on Surf Ninjas, the best movie ever made, promotional crossover epic? <laughs> Bend your know, legs, free, put out your a, arms. Is, is that a free movie? <laughs> like can you just watch it and uh, do whatever it should be it should come like you know like every american citizen should just get that movie for free when you're born uh round five is called <laughs> electric demon this stage starts off with a really cool forest on fire look which is obviously used from the prototype that was supposed to be the second stage uh mm-hmm. here we have uh, uh our hero in an infernal forest trying to reach a heavy guarded weapons facility as he tries to get in, in, not just to in Neo Zed, but also to get out of the flaming inferno. So you're like escaping the flames and trying to get into this like weapon laboratory while it's guarded. Inside the factory, you will fight uh, to the top floor, only to be confronted by a large Godzilla samurai robot boss. Yep, you can't make this <laughs> stuff up, really. Like, right. so this is already getting towards the end. You know, you got your, you got the the cool set piece in the front, and it transitions transitions into like a laboratory again and then the end boss which i might as well just uh skip to for the viewers at home so they can see the cool godzilla boss mm-hmm. this was also used in promote promotion i remember if i remember correctly like magazine shots or something the godzilla it reminds robot. me it reminds me of the end boss in knuckles chaotix where it's like this the metal sonic but he's all like red and big and there's fire in the background you think they were cool. and it, Oh, I love how there's there's a ton of them behind there too. There's more of them. They're all you think, like, you think Robotnik is behind this, or at least his grandfather or something with Zed, like in the past, you know, or in the future. <laughs> is this Gerald King? Robotnik? That I like son it. Of a, that yes. son of a bitch. Uh, yes. Imagine if they used that robot for no reason in the Sonic thing. That'd be sick. I don't know why. I just think why it'd not? Be sick. Why not? I think. They should make a game called Sonic Into the Segaverse, and each stage is Sonic entering another Sega franchise. Oh, dude, I, that, that'd be pretty... So it'd be like Alex Kidd, right? Isn't Alex Kidd supposed yeah. to break the fourth wall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, round six. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about... Traps. We have two more stages to talk about, and we're still talking about other stuff. We're going to get all sidetracked. Right, round six, Traps. Godzilla, uh, the boss uh, fight sends you sends us hurling hurling down a gorge, falling as bloodthirsty assassins try to kill our hero. In this stage, oh, no. uh, Joe must uh, jump from falling rocks and avoid falling down from the screen, killing assassins, and, mm. and to try to get those precious boxes of items in the on the way. This is kind of an annoying level because man, you fall. It's a life, and you only have a few of them, so you better be, be you better be perfect. Do you uh, think Camille like, likes this stage? Because it reminds me of Bayonetta. Yeah, he probably did. He probably got a lot of his... Like, yeah, this very much is like a Bayonetta stage. Even the moon in the back. like, Look how sick mm-hmm. it's framed in the middle of the screen. Like, I bet he played exactly. this as a kid and had a huge boner. And he's like, I'm going to make a game where you... Instead of a man, it's a woman, though. He said He promised <laughs> that day. 
you get a uh, in this game you get a little mid-level boss fight with this like weird like mutant like I don't even know what it is. What do you think this is? I mean, are you watching the the? You can I'm watching it. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what that thing is. It's like he has gym shorts on and like samurai sandals and like this cool vest and he has wings. He's like a mutant hybrid uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this like boss fight here. They call this guy the ninja. Okay, so you go into this like this building right here reminds me like when you get inside this building, there's fog. But this building reminds mm-hmm. me of a building from like uh, Shin- the Revenge of Shinobi, like the first stage or whatever, with the uh, spears on the ground and all that. Yeah. So th- this g- gives me flashbacks to the Revenge of Shinobi. But the boss here, they call him the Ninja Master. So are you not the Ninja Master, or are you both the Ninja Master? And his like his mm-hmm. boss fight is pretty sick because it's like, in the dark, and he's opening these doors, and there's two of them, and you have to hit him. You have to find a way to hit one of them. Um, I right. think it looks, it looks sick, but like, I I just don't get it. Why they just call this guy the Ninja Master? I'm like, I thought you're the Ninja Master. Are those? Is that the American naming? Because I bet there's something here that we're missing. Like, I'm sure I, if you were Japanese, you go, oh yeah, this is like a yeah. Kabuki so reference, I, or, you know, <laughs> um, I actually went online and I uh, this was from a Wikipedia entry, so I, I wasn't taking it too seriously. Uh, and then I I went to the I have the game right here. Do, 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 physical copy and i went into the mm-hmm. ma- manual and there is no names in the american version and i don't think there's no names in the game while you fight them so no american names so i don't know if that's just a mistranslation or somebody just put that on wikipedia regardless that's the boss here uh the, mm-hmm. the last one the seventh stage uh let me put it on the video okay so this is like sky fortress basically for shinobi so at this time you end up in the sky uh so like i said sky fortress it reminds me a lot of it uh you're dangling off of ledges and stuff and then eventually you'll start climbing up it reminds me a lot of sonic obviously um and then when you finally make it inside it's a more typical shinobi three stage eventually you'll make mm-hmm. it to the end and fight the last boss and uh, I'll, I'll i'll skip a little bit of this because it's like a pretty long it's like a 10 minute stage so it gets into the into the regular shinobi inside the fortress it has cool lightning uh like there's nothing really big. I mean, I like the backgrounds they usually do where they're moving mechanics. But this stage is very like Sky Fortress. But the last boss is so sick. This thing gave me nightmares, dude, when I first saw this thing. But <laughs> there's like, it has this weird effect, right? This like really groovy effect. His name is supposed to be called the Shadow Master. And has like this 3D grid background that like waves around. And there's like these faces in torment in the back. And that used to scare the crap look- out of me. Look at that, the dude. faces look, the faces look like James Rolfe from Angry Video Game Nerd. It is when he was a kid. He was all the, the, the when he because he because he's got a little bit of a gap in his teeth and he's going doing the, <laughs> the nerd like oh oh. <laughs> Too bad he was a kid, so it's not him. But I mean, it, they probably got his old VHS tapes when he was whining about the Genesis, and they they used it. They scanned it. Yeah, no. that's that's angry video game nerd back there. That's him, dude. It's scary. He used to haunt me in my dreams when I was a kid. What do you think? I like the this boss fight. I mean, it's hard, but like, I really like the way they use the effect in the back. It's a little. Uh, they you could tell they really like that. Effect. Yeah, they, you could tell they like that effect, and they're like, "That's so cool." They didn't even put a foreground. They're like, "Whatever, dude." They just fight in the air. Who gives a shit? It looks sick, <laughs> and it changes colors and stuff. It's really cool, but. That's the stages, not that much, as you can tell. So 
whatever, right? Uh, right. Um, let's talk about the music, right? So the Revenge of Shinobi soundtrack became iconic, especially after Yuzo Koshiro's work on Streets of Rage. I think a lot of people came... I mean, it was iconic, but I think Streets of Rage made him so iconic that, like, and, and was more popular than anything else that people went back and started praising even harder the Revenge of Shinobi soundtrack. So, like, who knows what a, what a you know, if it would have been in such a high regard if he didn't do Streets of Rage. I don't know. I mean, I, I have to I have to look back and see how people thought about it. But you, I noticed that, like, old reviews, people don't really talk about soundtracks. Like, when they review games back then. It was, like, three-paragraph reviews, and it was, like, the basics, you know right. I mean? Or or they would just be a jerk, like the Ghostbusters one. Remember, they were like terrible music. I'm like, like what's terrible about it? Maybe you have a Genesis three, and you just always have terrible music. Well, that's you know? true. Uh, <laughs> sadly, uh, Yuzo Koshiro did not come back, uh, like a lot of the Revenge of Shinobi team, uh, and didn't do this title. Instead, the work was moved on. Uh, he moved on to Streets of Rage, and then you know became a more popular IP than this than Shinobi. Sa- mm-hmm. I mean. They could have, they're both popular, but one's obviously way larger. Sega actually hired three composers for the title, which included Hiro Fumi Marasaki, Marihiko Akiyama, and Masayuki Nagayo. I don't know how to say that guy's name, but uh, Marasaki's uh, first project was Shinobi 3, and uh, him and the director actually became friends and, like, after this, they like worked on Clockwork Knights one and two and Dragon Force, while uh, Masayuki is, uh, is he actually worked on Sonic Team for some stuff like Sonic Three and Knuckles, and he was mm-hmm. part of the Sega Sound Team, which is a group of composers because Sonic doesn't have one composer, right? I mean, it doesn't have one lead composer, but it's like a salt team, right, of people that are like right. contributing. So he, this is kind of like, I guess, the Shinobi sound team, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, one thing that people praise the music for is the change in composition compared to Yuzo Koshiro. The team didn't go out to try to copy Yuzo's catchy, catchy tones, tunes. They uh, tried to create more complex tracks, uh, taking more advantage of what the Mega Drive could do. Uh, they also aimed at making a more cinematic sound. Uh, the sound was also praised for using better digital voice samples, something that, like, it became a meme on the Sega Genesis. Like, everybody was like, hey, uh, remember remember on the internet for a while, everybody was talking shit about how, how terrible uh, voice samples sounded on the Genesis. And, it, like, I remember every that. single yeah. YouTuber had to, like, make a big video or, like, make jokes about it in all their retro reviews. Yeah, go play Jeopardy. It sounds great. You can hear Alex Trebek. He goes, sorry? <laughs> and he goes correct the and it sounds way. beautiful it sounds like he's in the room with you i i miss alex trebek so i just play jeopardy on the genesis and it's like he's back i don't want to i don't want to speak for her but uh i heard is i don't even know his wife's alive but i heard she doesn't even watch her 4k transfers of her home movies she actually just plays the genesis game and puts on the headphones <laughs> and it sounds like he's in the room that's what she said not me correct so that's wow. correct Hey, she's right there on the she's on the debug menu, just uh, listening to all the sounds. Uh, That's amazing. I, I will say that the Shinobi Three soundtrack is actually really, really good in its own way. Uh, so we're gonna play a few tracks. I actually have the vinyl, and uh, we'll talk about it when we. Actually, I'm not gonna even bring it out because it doesn't matter. We're just gonna listen to it on here. 
Let me get the tracks up. Uh, I don't know. First one we're going to listen to is called World Wind. This is actually one of the popular tracks I always hear people talk about. Can you can you hear it? Yeah. Very grindy. Like, that's something that Genesis did well. But that... I really like this track. This is a really sick track, I think. So, I mean, personally, I think it still has melody to it. I think people were saying, I mean, like, I know Yuzu Koshiro had more, like, dance music and uh, things like that. Uh, definitely not the same. Um, the next one I'm going to play just uh, to have a, is a heavier track called Shadows. Uh, I'll play a little bit of it. I really love the, the drumming on this. The drum sound, it sounds heavy. Genesis always had great drum, great drums. Oh, yeah. And this is really one of the soundtracks that kind of really took a good advantage of it. If you have a good RGB connection with like a good sound, Genesis can sound really, really good. It's crazy. And that's actually one of my things I hate about people when they talk crap about the Sega Genesis sound. It's like, bruh, there's some stuff where it's uh, very, very good. But uh, what do you mm-hmm. think about the, the change in composers for this title? And in hindsight, do you think it was a great move to uh, have Yuzo move to a more, I guess, I, I just kind of felt like, I mean, to me, I felt like uh, he kind of embodied more of the sound of Streets of Rage with, you know what I mean? Like that street Weird, like right. you, have, you have like this random like uh, track randomly one of his uh, uh, soundtracks where it's like groovy and you're like wait what the hell this is like jazz pop what is going on here and then it's like okay he just wanted to do whatever he wanted to do right and so right yeah do you, and also do you think I that think it's Uzo, smart yeah do you think Uzo overshadowed the soundtrack and that's it I I think he has a tendency to and when it doesn't deliver people get really upset <laughs> like people go. Yeah. Ah, oh, he was, he did the music for it. It didn't really, it didn't slap, you know, and it's like, well, they all can't be, they all can't slap. But like in this case, like it's nice to see other people shine. Um, I know that he can kind of like, it's kind of like with Hideki uh, uh, Nakanuma. Nakanuma, where he, where people will like bother him constantly about Jet Set Radio. And like, I'll be honest, I love his music. He was never, like, the guy of Jet Set Radio. Like, there were so many composers. And so, um, you know, I'd always love him to return for another game, but I think people need to remember there's a lot more to the soundtrack than just him. And I think with Yuzo Koshiro, he has a tendency to kind of overshadow everyone else. So, um, I I think it was on purpose back then. It was like he was trying to make a name for himself, and it actually worked out probably better for him in the long term. Oh, absolutely. But it sucks for, like, these people, like, uh, these guys didn't have their name on the game on the bottom like Yuzo did. So it's, like, it sucks for them where they're, like, I think Yuzo had his name on the game so people remembered it. And so when they went and looked at the soundtrack, they're, like, they knew him by name. And he's, like, one of the few uh, Japanese artists to have that. So it's kind of hard to, like, I guess, escape that. But uh, let's talk about the promotion. Sorry, Sorry, I was just going to say, was he one of Sega's first celebrities then? Because... 
it wasn't really until, um, geez, like, uh, Billy Hatcher that they really started putting, like, Yuji Naka's name on the cover of the game. Um, I, I, you know what? I would guess, like, magazine-wise, I don't think he was as big a celebrity, but as a, like, I guess artist, yeah. I mean, Sega Sound mm-hmm. Team even had... Sega Sound Team had, like, concerts, but it was still, like, there's property of Sega, the Sega Sound Team. It wasn't like right. they were, uh, they were like, promoting each person by themselves, you know? And I guess that's something they do now, you know? We see these concerts going around right now in Japan that were canceled, most of them. Um, but, yeah. Um, this, you want to talk about promotional materials? Yeah, you want me to, to do this no, section? I, 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 could, I could do this section. I was just uh, wondering if you wanted to say anything else about... So. I want to talk about promotional materials. All right. The first one we're talking about is <laughs> a few ads for the Japanese uh, release, uh, which kind of just featured art for the game. We don't really know Japan Japanese, so it's kind of hard to know what they were kind of conveying here. So the first one is mm-hmm. a double pre- uh, double page ad that was uh, in one of those Japanese magazines. Um, and this one is uh, promoting Golden X 3 and uh, the Super Shinobi 2. Um, they have the screenshots hmm. on the side. Um, personally, obviously, Shinobi, the Super Shinobi 2 is way better than Golden X 3. In my, in my opinion, I think a lot of people's opinion. Interesting is that the U.S. art, or not the U.S., but the Europe art is basically used here, and Shinobi has its own art, obviously, here. Um, mm-hmm. And here's another ad real quick. I think this next one's a little better. It's a single-page ad that was taken out just for this. It has its... This weird 90s, uh, how do you say that background? Like, I don't even know. Like, that print look, like, that's like a marker. Zub- it looks like Zubaz, Zubas, those uh, pants. There you go. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's just it's just an average ad, very small pictures. Um, nothing that really pops. It's just kind of like they slapped all this stuff together and they put text and little pictures on it. It's an ad, whatever. Uh, but, right. uh what do you think about these two ads and like the overall presentation, visual presentation here? Like, you don't, we don't know what it says, right? But like, as a passerby, let's say you're not gonna, you're you're a kid, you don't know how to read anything. You see this, right. so you see these two. Do you think that it, these two ads are good enough to capture you, or is it is it not? I enough? I think they're both kind of weak. I think the first one though, if, just not knowing what it's saying. If I was a kid, I'd go, oh, cool, this looks fun. Skulls, cats, ninjas. Um, Hell yeah. It is weird, though. It kind of makes them seem like they're the same game, but it's two separate games. Um, The art quality is very different. Like, not to bash Golden Axe 3's art, but it's not as good as the Super Shinobi art we have here. Oh, Screenshots, very tiny, which is always a problem for me. I think, you know, show off the screenshots. And then in this one... The second one, like this, who's this little guy? It looks like like Segata Sanshiro, but like clearly oh, this, well before him. Oh, you're talking about character? this little Japanese. I think it's a different game where you play. It's a sumo wrestling game that they're also advertising for the. Mega oh, Drive I see it down there. It's, I see yeah, it. It's like a an ad within an ad, right? So Sega's like, oh, we could do the Shinobi one. Oh yeah, but we also have to promote the sumo, samurai game. Just put it in the same ad. Right. I don't yeah. like when they do that. No. It's like give it give, give the game some promotion. Jesus, show us some respect. But I think you'll like the American one. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it has more going on mm-hmm. with the pages. Uh, this is a two-page spread that uh, was done by uh, obviously Sega of America. 
this ad leaves a lot of negative space on purpose to try to lure the reader's eyes to the small growing images that sells the reader as a bigger sells the reader that this is a bigger game with more action, more magic, more levels, more thugs in the ad. This is also part of Sega's iconic welcome to the next level marketing, but it does sort of lie in the ad because I think Revenge was technically had more levels, so this did not have more levels. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on this ad compared to the Japanese one? And obviously, Sega was always known to like lie a little bit if it meant selling a few units. So I'm not giving them too much shit because if that meant they sold 10 million copies, that's fine with me. Yeah, no, I like this one. Um, like you said, you pointed out the negative space. I think some people might dislike that. I know in my own um, practice when I would make things and put negative space, people go, oh, there's so much more space. We can put more things in there. Oh, we'll, let, we'll get the copywriter to write up a whole other part. And I'm like, no, 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 it's intentional. Please stop. And I think here, um, just from reading magazines as a kid, there was so much of that going on. They had to fill every corner. So when you got to ads like this, it was like kind of a breath of fresh air. You got some time to breathe and, and you're like, oh, cool, a new game. And here I think it it's kind of weird how it goes smaller and gets bigger, 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 especially when I think the Godzilla image is pretty sweet and it's like the second smallest one. Yeah. Um, but I get what they're going for here. It just seems kind of weird how it would go like more action, more magic, more levels, more thugs, more Shinobi. The, it, like, it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't flow that well because it starts up here and then the text is like to the right of it, to the right of it, below it, above it, and then above yeah. the cover art, which has like a, and then it has welcome to the next level up the spine. And then it does the stupid, like, it is the honorable thing to do. We are like talking like Master Splinter or something. I just noticed um, that though in this cover <laughs> art, the cover art here is different yeah. from the official cover art. That lot, that tiger, You're right. the tiger is not in the official art. It's just like blank right there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah no, this one's fine. I like it. I, I I wouldn't make it, but <laughs> if I was the art director, I'd I'd say you know play around with this and that. But then again, sometimes you look at things like this and you have issues with it, and then you tell the person to to fix the things, and then they realize they can't fix them because you know <laughs> it just works this way. So. So yeah. the next, so yeah. the next bit we're gonna talk about is uh, this is a very weird thing. Like I try to do more research into this trailer. I have, um, we'll play it right now in a little bit. But uh, okay, Shinobi Three never got a TV spot, right? So uh, I, right. which I consider to be a very tragic thing because it's, it's such a hot franchise. I mean, I think it needed some push. I did find this 1993 trailer that is said to be sent out by Sega of America, but it's uploaded to this like. YouTube channel called Video Detective that's just like re-uploads uh, trailers. I looked through the other Sega stuff he had, which it seems that like he's just uploading these old VHS tapes that Sega used to send out to consumers. Um, Interesting. No idea if he did the voiceover for this. I try. I try to. It sounds like it's. It just sounds like something from the '90s. Uh, we'll watch it, and you could tell me. We could talk about it. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you've never seen this. So. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm I've, I, I, I edited this. This is my channel. This is what you say. Uh, let me uh, <laughs> let me turn on the volume and play it. As Shinobi, you've been in a long struggle against the forces of evil. After the battle of the you've come back to Japan to train. 
The name of Zeke Davis has secretly been building their organization. They will be making for the order to stop you at all times. You know that unless you succeed, the world will fall into their clutches. The stakes are the highest you've ever faced. You must not fail in Shinobi 3. Snake Eyes. So that's pretty much it. I mean, there's not really that much going on here in this trailer anymore. Uh, what do you think I, about this? You think this is something Sega would send out to promote the game? Sounds like I it. think this might be something they'd send out to um, stores to to sell them on it. Probably was like a VHS tape of trailers that they would play for themselves. Um, this is not something you'd put on TV. Maybe something you'd see at trade shows. But then again, they typically would just have a demo out and have someone there to talk to you. But who knows? You know, this probably trade shows or more likely mailed out to people. But yeah, you would the runtime too. You wouldn't see this on TV at at forty seven seconds and like that weird pause on the title screen where it just sits. Yeah, I I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you. uh, Maybe it's like on the they they played it in stores or something in the background when you go to GameStop or whatever. Possibly. Um, I was going to say, uh, what do you think about the guy's voiceover? I think we would have done a way better job. Like, come on, dude. You yeah, sound so we... weak. Come on, dude. <laughs> sound like they got him a fiver or something, you know. Yeah. Whatever the equivalent was back then. One-er. Uh, so this last bit we're going to talk about is uh, controversial, all right? Uh, we, know, we know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. But we do it all the time. all the time. And we used to do it all the time when we were kids. So let's look at both the covers of the uh, American and the Japanese, and then we'll discuss what we think is a better cover. Um, I just want to say that the American cover is by Greg Winters, which you told me because I didn't know. I was looking for it on the internet, and it's like his mm-hmm. name is almost listed nowhere. He did uh, Streets of Rage, Beyond Oasis, Galaxy Force 2, and Final Fight, cover, uh, Final Fight 3 covers for the West. Uh, he did this one, obviously. Um so they changed the, the cover for the West. The only one, what do you think about his art? You, his art is like, some people love it for nostalgia reasons. Some other people say that he's not mm-hmm. the best artist in the world, that he, uh, isn't, he has this weird look to his characters, right? So uh, what do you think about the American Shinobi 3 cover? I think it's fine. The, the costume looks black, which is kind of strange. Um, and I think it was a strange choice, too, to go with the red, given you knew that Genesis would have red on the spine. It's just, it's a little too red <laughs> all over yeah. the place. Um, Does this isn't on him. This, <laughs> this isn't on uh, Greg, but I don't like the Shinobi logo here. It just, it looks lazy. They just took a font and, like, squashed and stretched the letters. Um you know, like you have the Shinobi logo. It's a Shin. It says Shinobi. It's the gold logo. Everyone knows that. But yeah. I guess they didn't want to embrace it. So it just makes the games look even more disconnected when you consider not only is the logo different and the numbering is goofy, but then you have the red case, which the other two didn't. Like, uh, one thing I will say, I look at people's Mega Drive libraries and I'm so jealous because I'm like, oh, they look so like. Everything fits. The logos are in the same place. It just looks so pretty. And then you look at our, uh, you know, dirty American Genesis libraries, and it's like a mix of black and reds and and uh, checkerboard patterns and like grids. It's just no consistency. 
None. Um, I None. do agree with you that I think Sega changed it because we'll talk about the Japanese one, but like I think they changed it because uh, they wanted it to stand out more on shelves and they thought the red will make it stand out even more. And I agree with you. It's mm-hmm. too much red. It, like I say, it looks like Joe Rogan kind of in his new studio where it's all red. It's like, come on, dude. Too much red, my my dude. You got to tone down the red. I know you're an angry guy, but... And here is right. the... And then like the total opposite, the Super Shinobi 2 cover, which is like in the night, like a neon bridge in the background. And we have Joe Musashi that looks like he's hurt, uh, kneeled down with a, in, with a sword in the defensive position. Which kind of makes sense in this game since locking is a regular move here, um, and he has a sword that he uses a lot. Um, the in the back we have more of the art, which is just backgrounds and lightnings, and there's a big moon, mm-hmm. and the art is really really awesome. Uh, we did not find out who yeah. did the art on for this because we looked for it, but we just didn't find it. I'm sure someone knows online, and they'll probably be like, "Stupid Sega, right? Well, morons. What do you think about this like when I?" Art? Well, when I look for the artist's name, I, I have the um, Sega TV video game art book that came out. I think at the time this game actually came out. It's a, it's an art book that came out in 1993. Um, and when it came to the Shinobi titles, they would just credit Sega R&D as the artist. So it's them kind of being sh- shitty to their own artists because all the other ones get credited. Like the names are in there. It's it's no secret. But with the Shinobi one, they didn't they didn't credit them. But wow. I like this one. I think it's really cool. It looks like he's sitting on like a a bridge or something, and the moon's back there. It's it's very pretty. I I love this aesthetic that they had going on um, back in the day with the the Mega Drive art, and it's just such a shame it didn't carry over. But then again, you know there is a charm. To the uh, the Greg Winters and and the uh, who's the guy who did the Sonic ones? I forgot his name, but you know the, there's a charm to it. And I, yeah, Greg Martin. Yeah. Um, but I'd never. But I'd I'd never change it. You know, like there are people out there who who will look at like the design of Sonic and they go, "Oh, I wish we never got butt face Sonic." And I'm like, first off, don't you ever call him that? And secondly. Like, that's your childhood right there. If you grew up with that, like, that's yours. Own it. Love it. You know? Sure, as an adult, find the problems with it. But you're not going to change it. We're not going to go back. So, Does he, be happy. Do, do these Sonic <laughs> fans kiss their moms with their mouth? That mouth? Like, chill out, dude. Show some respect for the Sonic. All Sonics are equal. All Sonics are beautiful. Yeah. Even American Shop yeah. Chum Sonic. Um, so, I, I like... I like... I, sorry. I man. like these. Yeah. I was just um, going to say, I like... I like how different they are. It's um, fun. I, I, I like, obviously <laughs> like the Japanese one better because the aesthetic is just so much better. But I think it just sucks because it's like the, the the American one wouldn't have been like a bad cover or anything. It's just the Japanese one's that good that it's like mm-hmm. kind of like why even bother getting someone to do a new piece of art, you know? But that's just it's my art. Opinion. Like it's it's not like um, action figure box art like the Shinobi Three American one is. It's it's like legitimate art. You look at this, and it's there's like a there's real talent behind it. Yeah, exactly. Poster. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, we're going to be talking about the legacy of this game to close it up. Uh, thankfully, the people at defunctgames.com has put together some of the old reviewer uh, reviews uh, that give us sort of a, a picture of what people thought about this game back then. The first one we're going to talk mm-hmm. about is uh, the Game Pro uh, review from August 1993. 
which was a popular magazine back at the time, which if people that are young don't know here, there was a thing called a magazine and people used to write in them. <laughs> and we used to read them sometimes. Just look at the pictures, really. Um, and they gave this game a perfect 5 out of 5. And, it's, and they wow. said, uh, the true ninja master has returned to the Genesis, and it's about time. Uh, Shinobi 3 proves that Sega of Japan is still on the cutting edge of side-scrolling its excellence. Uh, this cart plays as smooth as fine Asian silk. Like Sega superstar Montana and Musashi, uh, this game is no ordinary Joe <laughs> uh, slasher Kwan. Okay. I'm pretty sure he really wanted to make that Joe Montana sh- uh, joke. Um, you know, kids are not going to know who Joe Montana is, but he was a popular football player that used to sling the pigskin back in the good old days. I, never I remember. Watched, yeah. Sega had a brand of games with him. It was supposed to be their Madden. But yeah. Uh, back in the day, EGM was my favorite magazine. And thankfully, they gave, they gave the game an impressive 9 out of 10. Uh, Shinobi is back for the fourth time, and he is an all-out winner. It's called Shinobi 3, dude. Uh, this time, with more moves, more weapons, and flawless control, Shinobi becomes the best game for the Genesis in a long, long time. Wow. The horseback, the jet ski and riding are fantastic. It's, it's actually a surfboard. And the bosses couldn't be better. One problem, though, it ends too soon by Steve Harris. Um, Interesting. Personally, uh, did, did you ever remember back in the day how big of a deal people made out of the fact that, like, if EGM gave a game a perfect score, it was supposed to be, like, a big deal? Do you remember that? I remember, yeah. So 9 out of 10, I would say, is for EGM, that's like a 10 out of 10 for most sites. I mean, more most magazines, in my opinion. Because like, mm-hmm. there's only like 10 games that got a perfect score. And I remember Soul Calibur being one of them with the Dreamcast launch and being so hyped about it. I was just like, why, why even bother with PS2, man? We got a perfect score game on launch right here. And it's like, and Sonic Adventure? <laughs> okay. And, oddly enough, more critics came from uh, mo- most of the critique came from Sega fan magazines. That uh, a magazine called Sega Force Mega Number Four, which I'm assuming is a European magazine, gave the game a respectable mm-hmm. 81% out of 100. The ancient art of ninja is not exactly a new theme to base a game on, and of course we've all met Joe before. Despite this, Sh- Shinobi Three: Return of the Ninja Master is a really playable game combining plenty of mad ninja violence with a straightforward platform format. This may not be original, but it, it, it has to be ranked near the top of the pile of games of this type, Chris. Uh, okay. That was the most scathing review back then, so even then it was like, it got like a uh, 89, uh, and people rounded it all up, all these like reviews. They It would get an 89% on Metacritic, which I would say it's about... Well, Yakuza, like a dragon, is getting right now, so I would say it's highly acclaimed. Um, mm-hmm. While the uh, so let's you could talk a little bit more about this part right here, but uh, the games had many ports, but most of the ports had just been straightforward Sega Genesis ports, except mm-hmm. for the 3DS version of M2's 3D Classics, which obviously added 3D, a round select mode, and they allowed you to customize your input buttons which wasn't in the original because you it was a three-button controller layout, but there right. is a cheat code where you could... Uh, there's a cheat code you could put on your Game Genie where you could set your buttons to what uh, a six-button controller, 
but it just never made it to the official product but you could use it it's in there but yeah mm. you want to talk about uh the 3d one yeah i mean that's the one i own it's the one i it's the one i grew up with really no it's uh, um oh, but yes. yeah it's it's decent it's just when you look at what m2 did with the 3d classics like with the the opa opa bros and all that kind of stuff and like brand new game modes and everything it's it's uh kind of disappointing in that sense because there isn't much that they did to it outside of some minor tweaks and additions like you mentioned still it's a solid game it plays well in 3d if you like that sort of thing um and i would recommend people get that one um i do not think this game is on the genesis mini you could correct me but i don't think it is I don't. I haven't played it that much. I've been playing the original Sega Genesis. You guys, you know, because I got an RGB cable for it recently. So now I'm like mm. spoiling myself in like testing games. You know, when you get a new cable, you're like taking out cartridges in and out. I also, I mean, not not to like, you know, postpone the podcast, but I also got, I know you were against it, but I got a emulator ROM. I mean, for my thing where you can put everything on SD card. And I also got the mod. For the HDMI built-in that gives you 1080p image on the Dreamcast, just because I can't record mm-hmm. Dreamcast footage directly from the Dreamcast because my capture card won't do it. But yeah, whatever. I, uh-huh. I'm ha- I'm just happy right now with my retro stuff. I'm getting more way more into retro. So I'm like, when I'm seeing people buy PS5s, I'm like, that's cool. I'm broke now. So, <laughs> so uh, do you recommend that? I mean, like you said, it doesn't have that much uh, extras. The extras are kind of like tossaways from what i read it was right it was like a pain in the ass to make this 3d that's what i read oh that would make sense yeah but no i recommend it it's you know it's as a 3d classic it's kind of disappointing but as a game itself it's a great game so you can't go wrong um yeah definitely pick that up should have came to the switch to be honest with you So, that's the end of the episode today, talking all things Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master. We'll be back in Mm -hmm. two weeks, and Barry's going to be picking the next episode, so if you guys want something, uh, probably bother him on Discord, tell him everybody where they get from. See you guys next time. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye.